Ready when you are, buddy. Let's go. Welcome, everybody. Episode two, Thoughts from the Shade. Thanks for coming back. And let's check in on our guy, Bomb, see how he's doing. What's happening, Bomb? What's up, G? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Hanging in there, man. Hanging in there. Phils are hot. Phillies are hot. Hottest team in the city right now. After today's 3-0 win, they're up to eight in a row. Hottest team in baseball, I think. Best team in baseball, you're saying? Hottest. I didn't say best. Oh, hottest. Not best. Hottest. I was gonna say that's the hottest take on the uh, on the short life of this pod. I mean, look, what, so what they're far. doing is just totally unsustainable, right? They're scoring seven or eight runs a game and and pulling pulling games out at the end, but nonetheless, exciting to see after a decade a decade plus of just incompetence. Yeah, this has got to be the most exciting. It's been in. Like you said, a decade. Bats are hot. Contributions from pretty much everybody. Brad Miller, two home runs over the weekend. Oduble, Kyle Gibson, RBI single. Guy can pitch, guy can hit. Even though we weren't <laughs> excited about that acquisition last week. Proved us wrong, or proved me wrong, at least so far. Well, so, look, it's, it's shocking, right? I mean, the Phillies go out and trade for this guy, and it's, it's like this is what a – a serviceable major league starter looks like. You know, the Phillies haven't had like a, a back end serviceable guy in a while. Yeah, that's a good point. We're always pretty top heavy. I mean, Nola, Nola is what he is, but he's clearly been overtaken by by Wheeler. I mean, that guy's been on fire. Seems like after today, complete game shutout, 11 Ks, probably leading the charge for uh, NL Cy Young, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, how good does that contract look? Clearly, uh, you know, he's running up the Ks. He's pitching well today, the, the two-hitter. I think I read that uh, he, he retired 22 straight, and the last pitcher to do that for the Phillies was Halliday. So kind of fitting on uh, on Roy Halliday number retirement night. But, um, yeah, no, they're definitely getting their money's worth. I think that's, for, for all of Clintac's faults, that might be the one guy where, you know, the Phillies are definitely getting their money's worth out of that contract. And when you compare them to some of the other big arms that have signed for money, I mean, the, the Strasburg deal that, that the Nets signed, you know, when the when the, the Yanks were in pursuit, I mean, it's it's unbelievable when you compare that to Wheeler. Yeah, he's been great. Gibson's been a, been a nice ad, I guess, as, as a three, three to four guy. And then our boy Nola is fading at the end of another summer. So a little discouraging, but... We stay hot, get into the playoffs. Wheeler, Nola, Gibson, that's looking like what it would be, right? Yeah, I think it'd have to be, unless you want to give Vinny Velo a, uh, another run out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good on that. <laughs> but, you know, the other big studs, I feel like, are carrying their weight. Bryce Harper heating back up. A couple, couple dingers over the weekend. JT with the clutch. Well, I don't know if it was bases clearing or if it was just second and third that the one game against the Nats last week in the in the big ninth inning, but that was clutch. He went yard today too, so they're getting contributions from everybody, which is in any team sport really 
what you need and, and what you see in successful teams. And in Philadelphia, we don't see that often. So we're kind of, uh, we're, we're capturing the magic right now. And we've got a month and a half left the regular season baseball. So we'll see if they can carry it into October, which would be super exciting. Um, big week. They got a day off tomorrow. And then they got the Dodgers coming to town, one of the best teams in baseball, if not the best team in baseball. And I believe they're going to get Scherzer uh, Tuesday. I don't know who they're getting Wednesday, and I think they're getting David Price on Thursday night. And then they get the Reds. I'll be in attendance Friday night. They, they got the Reds over the weekend. So great, great run between the, the end of the Pirates series and the Nats, four-game sweep of the Nats, three-game sweep of the Mets. <laughs> Step right up and beat the Mets. Uh, that's one of my favorite favorite taglines in Philly. And I'm a, I'm a little excited. I don't know that I'm sold. And I don't like you said earlier. I don't know that it's sustainable. But uh, we're gonna find out a lot about this team this week against you know two really good teams in the Dodgers and the Reds. So looking looking forward to it. You know it's it's becoming watchable again for me at least. Well, I'll tell you, I'm definitely not sold. I'll just say that. I mean, they, they lost two or three to the Pirates, and then they rattled off some wins against a Nationals team that sold at the deadline and a Mets team, which which clearly is uh, going in the other direction. I mean, this this week is going to be a big one for them, playing the Dodgers and the Reds. I think the Reds are 8-2 and two in the last 10, somewhere around the same mark as the Phils. But you said it best. They're getting contributions from everybody, and I think it's always a good sign when when you have a team that picks picks each other up, right? And And it's not only the stars that are contributing. But it's the uh, you know the no name guys, the Brad Millers of the world, Torres, et cetera, et cetera. Segura obviously is having a great year, uh, but always always good to see when you have those those kind of second tier, third tier players contributing and and helping a team really get over the hump and win some win some important games down the stretch. That's what you need, man. We we haven't had it for a while, but this this little run here, eight game win streak, you you can you can see the depth. But they're getting the contributions, and that's the biggest thing. Last time the Phillies were on a seven-game win streak, September of 2012. Last 7-0 start in <laughs> August 1991. Last time they were five games over 500, September of 2019. So we're talking about the fightings, man. Here's the thing. It wouldn't shock me if they got swept out by the Dodgers. You know, some of the some of these games that they're winning are a little little funky at the end, and it's good to see. But I mean, the the Dodgers are the premier team in the NL, and it'll be a good test here in, in early August to play them and the Reds, who are who are also hot, and see see how they match up. So, at the very least, you said it right. It's watchable. It's it's a lot different than what we've seen over the last decade, and hopefully, we have an exciting end to the to the regular season here, and hopefully, some. Some meaningful baseball in October with, with football season heating up and may even get one of those uh, home 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 Eagles game and home Phillies game. You never know. Those are always fun. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it all fell apart against the Dodgers and the Reds, you know, two, two uh, blue, blue bloods. Uh, but they got, let me correct myself from earlier, they got Scherzer on Tuesday against NOLA. And David Price on Wednesday against Kyle Gibson. Uh, that's the projected starters right now. TBDs for Thursday. So we'll we'll see what happens. But nothing would surprise me. I mean, I would be surprised if, 
if they stayed hot and, and kept the streak going. But you know, you take you take two of three from from both of these teams, and then maybe maybe I'll be full blown on board. I think I'd have to be. Yeah, I mean, if they if they if they win both of these series coming up, I mean, you'd, you'd almost have to be a, a believer in what they're doing. Although there's there's still plenty of uh, plenty of baseball left, so. Yeah, they're through 112 games. They got 50 games left, pretty much a third of the season. So, a lot of ball. It's going to go fast. As long as it remains exciting, I will be happy, and I think, I think most most fans will be happy because this is usually the time of year where the Phillies kind of taper out. They always hang around until kind of the end of summer, and then September hits, and I mean they must be ready for football season because. They certainly aren't looking looking to October to be playing playing on the diamond. All right, switching gears to the gridiron. Fellow over at CBS this week tweeted out that talks between the Texans and our Philadelphia Eagles about a Deshaun Watson trade were heating up and that both sides were attempting to come to an agreement. And that kind of Set me off a little bit as we're about a week, week and a half into training camp and we're in a rebuilding phase or a retooling phase. Can't say I was thrilled to hear that. I believe the rumor might have been refuted. Uh, Regardless, you know, it gets gets people fired up and I don't want to see Deshaun Watson in Philly. I think he's I think he's pretty good. I don't think that we would be getting ourselves a Brady or a Rodgers or a Russell Wilson. I think Watson's solid, but he's certainly not in that top tier of quarterbacks in the league. And I also think he's played on like a shitty ass Texans team for years. And granted, Bill O'Brien did not do a great job there. They're, they're, they're always playing from behind. So, of course, the guy's going to rack up numbers in the air. And he was throwing to DeAndre Hopkins up until last year. So, I don't know, not sold. Um, and this is this is just football. Aside from the allegations he's got going against them, we just got rid of one locker room cancer. Certainly don't want to bring another one in. Bomb your thoughts. I mean, I just think that report is is crazy. There's no way. I'd be stunned if the Eagles did this. I mean, they, they just cleared all that money from Wentz, and uh, now they're going to bring in another quarterback owed a ton of money. You know, the recipe when they won in 17 was clearly having a deep quarterback room with an established veteran as your backup, but then another quarterback who's your starter on a rookie deal, right? Now you just cleared Wentz and now you're going to bring in theoretically Deshaun Watson and give up a haul to get him. And that's not even talking about kind of the off the field stuff that's going on. And it's, it's just shocking to me when you hear Eagles fans talk about Philly being a great destination for Watson because of Mike Vick. Like, Mike Vick paid his debt to society by the time the Eagles brought him back. And by the way, he wasn't a starter. He was, he was a backup when he came here. So to, to, to hear that line of thinking from, like, 40 to 50% of the fan base, I'm stunned. I don't know why you wouldn't want to see Jalen Hurts in, a, in an Eagles uniform starting in week one when I thought he did some nice things at the end of last year with a, a really bad roster. The same roster that all the Wentz folks were, you know, using as, as an excuse for number eleven. 
And to turn around and say, you know, let's bring in Deshaun Watson on a mega deal with all the legal stuff hanging over the the head of of not only him, but whatever franchise he's playing for, it just makes no sense. And, uh, you know, for Howie, you know, clearly he's got to establish this, you know, this rebuild because he's he's got a little bit of a mess on his hands and, and he's the, the only one that skated by out of the trio of Doug and Wentz. I can't see him staking his future on Deshaun Watson with the uncertainty of everything that's going on legally. Yeah, I completely agree. I think we, we, we've talked about this as well previously, but like you said, with the position the Eagles are in, wouldn't you want to see Hurts play? And best case scenario is Jalen Hurts plays, has a great year, and establishes himself as your starting quarterback going forward that you can build around. And worst case scenario is he plays horrible or, or, you know, he's bottom line, he's just not the guy. And if that's the case, the Eagles probably have a tough enough year where they're in a position come draft time to take a guy in the draft next year and and give it another, another go there. Someone that doesn't have allegations hanging over their head, someone that isn't getting paid a hundred million dollars, someone that isn't going to cost three first round picks or, so forth. So that's that's kind of where I'm at. I don't want to see it. I'm ready for for Hertz. Whether whether he, he flies or falls, he's my guy this year, and we'll we'll work off of that. I think that's all they need to do. And the other thing that isn't talked enough about, about this entire situation is Sirianni. Right? He's a first year head coach. You know, relative novice when it comes to handling the media. I think we saw that in his first press conference. And you're going to give that guy the shitstorm slash firestorm that is the Deshaun Watson allegations. I think you'd be really setting that guy up to fail if if that was the, the decision that the franchise made. So in my mind, there's there's no way that they can go there. Yeah, it's just not a win. It's not a win now situation. You got a you got a new coach, first time head coach. Make, make it easy for the guy, right? If you stink and you know, the, the, the roster isn't that great. It is what it is. But then you bring in Deshaun Watson and let's say he can get on the field for, for 16 games and he's, he's innocent or allegations are cleared, whatever happens there. And there's, there's no distraction. Well, still here you are with Deshaun Watson and and now everybody's going to expect you to win right away. And I don't think that's an ideal situation for Sirianni and, it wouldn't wouldn't be fair to expect the guy to win right now, even if Watson or a guy like that came in with, with the roster that we have. Totally agree. I did peruse a Zach Berman article this morning, uh, just you know, quickly taking a dump, and I was just reading how the defense is apparently way ahead of the offense at, uh, at this point in training camp, which is kind of to be expected early in camp. But I think one of the bright spots on offense they, they've been saying is actually Zach Ertz and how he's outplayed Goddard, connected with with Hertz for some nice balls. So kind of a, kind of an interesting storyline there to me at least that you know this guy wanted out and now apparently he's having a strong camp. I don't think I don't think Ertz is is elite. He's not a Kelsey or a George Kittle, but he, he's been a good player for the Eagles. He's serviceable. Zero yak, obviously, but could be a useful guy. And, and you know what? We all thought at the end of last season he'd be gone, and now it's looking like either his trade value is going up or he's going to be on the field week one. So, A lot of that, I'm sure, is the Eagles putting out some 
you know, positive words about what, what he's done in the, in this camp because they're trying to drive up his trade value, but it also has to help the Julie. Julie's just been out of the house, right? He's no longer <laughs> filming the, you know, the visa commercials racing to Wawa and trying to tap the visa with her. So it always helps when, you know, he's able to focus on football. You know, these guys need to focus on football. I think that's bottom line. We saw that in 11, see that now in 86. And uh, that's what we want to see. Yeah, it's that time of year. It's time to grind. Well, it's, it's just funny to me, G, when you hear these these uh, these folks talk about the defense being ahead of the offense in training camp. We still haven't even seen a preseason game. And we're, and we're talking about how great the D-line is. I mean, these guys go down like flies in preseason games and regular season games. I'm sick and tired of hearing these beat reporters talk about how bad the offense looks or how great the defense looks. This defense got absolutely shredded last year. And I know they're saying it as an indictment of the offense, but this stuff takes time. I mean, these guys, again, you're still dealing with COVID. You're still dealing with, you know, these travel restrictions, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, these guys aren't really, you know, doing all that they, sh- they would be doing in a regular offseason. So you got to give the offense time to get their timing down, particularly with a young player, new offense, new coach, I'm sure new terminology. But all we hear about is the D-line and, and the defense. I mean, it's just a joke. Let's pause real quick to hear from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Shamrock Sun. I can tell you, when I go to the shore, I never remember to stop off at the pharmacy to buy sunscreen, and I always end up looking like Larry the Lobster. With Shamrock Sun, I'll be getting their big-ass bottles of sunscreen delivered right to my door via subscription. You can buy a single bottle or get it delivered every month, every three months, every six months, or even just once a year. Think about how many times you've had to run out for sunscreen, or even worse, gone without it. The Legacy Sunscreen Companies, aka Big Sunscreen, make tiny tubes that always seem to give out at the worst time. That doesn't need to happen anymore. So here's what to do. Go to www.shamrocksun.com and pick up a bottle of sunscreen. Even if it's just the once per year subscription. Use promo code SHADE. That's S-H-A-D-E. In all caps, for 10% off. That's a great read. Hey, thanks, brother. All right, moving along here. One of the, I guess, biggest biggest stories of the week came immediately after our last episode dropped last Monday, where we found out that our former friend, or not friend, Carson Wentz, has some sort of issue with his foot and will be sidelined, I believe, six to 12 weeks. Pretty remarkable. I can't imagine what the reaction would be if he was still wearing midnight green and this went down. So I guess, you know, the the Colts are in for it. I'm trying to think who they have behind them. I guess it doesn't really matter. Jacob Eason. Eason, that's right. Yeah, so it sounds like Eason's their guy now, but they uh, they paid they pray, they paid the price. They thought they they'd write the ship and marry Wentz up with Frank Reich and it all all would be all would be well. Uh, but it's not even one full week into into Indianapolis training camp and and the wheels are falling off. Yeah, and it's funny to me too how they explain away the injury as if it was like this um, this like hidden injury from high school. How, how can you possibly determine that? Oh, this was an injury from high school. Couldn't have been him jamming his foot into a boot and going out on the farm and rolling, you know, 
rolling some hay or something. You know, it's always like a high school injury. Like, this guy has more excuses than anyone I've ever seen in the league. It's disgusting. And then to, to hear that he was originally, the original plan was he was going to rest in rehab. And then finally someone at the Colts said, no, 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 dude, you're getting surgery, which is something the Eagles never did with him. He, was, he always had whatever decision he wanted to make around his return to play, around his injuries, et cetera, et cetera. He was allowed to do it when he was in Philly. And he learned real quick in Indianapolis that that is not going to be the, the case. They shut him down and said, dude, you're getting surgery. So just – so happy he's no longer a midnight green because you'd be dealing with this crap. You know, he'd ha- he, he either would have rested and rehabbed or he would have surgery. He'd come back early and be hobbled and then get shut down. It'd be the same nonsense next offseason. So couldn't be happier to have him off the roster. It's, it's definitely refreshing that that is not happening to us after the last few years where we flip-flop with Foles and, you know, Wentz, Wentz is missing games and so forth but it's not our problem and that's an interesting point that you brought up about the Colts how they kind of shut them down real fast and said now nah, you're you're getting this fixed and it'll it'll heal in, in whatever time it takes and then he can come back because if he was with the Eagles you know he'd, he'd be out a week or two weeks and rehabbing and then he'd be back out there and then he would do something else and it, it, it you know the saga just never ended with this guy and it is a blessing in disguise that that he's that he's gone. It's it, it's a breath of fresh air that that we are not dealing with this guy's nonsense. Let me tell you something. I'm I'm sick and tired of Eagles fans. I mean, the minute this guy went down with the injury, they're immediately like questioning the the draft pick. Oh my gosh, Carson's not going to play seventy five percent. We're not going to get a first. This is a failure. Guess what? If Indianapolis knew then what they know today, they wouldn't make the deal that they made in the offseason. The Eagles made a phenomenal deal. I don't care if it's a first or a second. To get this guy out of town, it's the best thing they could have done. So, you know, spare me the talk on the first or the second. The guy's a stiff. Get him out of here. So, Wentz goes down, and I feel like immediately all over the the internet, social media sphere – People are instantly trying to blow up the Nick Foles to replace Wentz again and, and start that trade rumor as Foles is, is in Chicago. And what did he say? He's he's trying to gas third stringers <laughs> in training camp. Slice but, and dice third stringers. Slice and dice third stringers in training camp uh, in Chicago. But people, as soon as Wentz went down, everybody wants to – to, to throw foals in the mix. And I think it's hilarious. It's great that it's, it's not our problem. So I'm just here for the ride. It's great that this issue continues to dog them even, even after he left town, because everyone blamed that on Eagles fans in Philadelphia and the franchise. And immediately the first injury he goes down with the entire national media, Chris Collinsworth is putting out like tweets saying, you know, it could it be another Nick Foles season with reunited with Frank Reich taking over for Carson Wentz. I mean, so many people blame the franchise, blame the fan base for this guy not being able to stay on the field. And lo and behold, he had a he had a backup who was serviceable and able to able to meet meet the moment. So so happy to see that this this narrative continue to dog this guy. I don't I don't think I have anything to add. I mean, it's 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 just so funny to see like everybody 
thinks that that it's a Philly thing, like you said, blames the the team, the organization, the city, you know, because we throw snowballs at sand and all that stuff. So everything in Philly's bad. But the guy got out to the Midwest, where he wants to be, where he feels like it's home, and breaks his foot. Two and a half hours from his in-laws. Don't forget, <laughs> two and a half hours from his in-laws. Do do we think he heard his foot walking over to their house? Yeah, Did he seriously. try hiking over instead of driving? But now he's back. He's back uh, where he belongs, apparently. And But he still can't shake Big Dick Nick. And that, I just love that. And full saying that he's slicing the dice in third stringers. And he came out and said that, you know, this is the best he's felt in his career. And he feels better than he did when he was Super Bowl MVP. If I'm Carson Wentz sitting there with a bump foot and I saw that Nick Foles presser, I am probably crying, whimpering like, like a baby. And I'd imagine that's probably what he's doing. I don't know about that. He's either carving up bison meat or changing another shitty diaper. <laughs> I don't think the guy likes football, period. I mean, I I think it's just all about him pumping his, his sponsorships around what scope he can put on a gun or what tractor he rides around in this week. So, I mean, obviously he's got this new love affair with Frank Reich, you know, but that'll turn quickly. The minute this guy plays bad football, let me tell you something. If, if Easton is serviceable and Wentz comes back week three, week four and plays bad football, Reich will, make, Reich will make the change, guaranteed. Yeah, it feels like Reich is kind of an OBS guy. And, and when Wentz went down in, in 17, the, the transition to Foles was, was seamless. And Foles always spoke highly of Reich and how he, how he built the offense around him. So if Wentz ain't cutting it when he's back and Frank Reich's got a game plan that works for Eason, then, then we could see 11 or – now two, it's two, right? It's not one, it's two. Number two. Number two. We could see number two on the bench somewhere else for the second consecutive year. So maybe that's why he's number two in Indy. Speaking of guys who people say that, that Philly fans have ruined, another Ben Simmons shooting clip surfaced oh this past week. He took, you know, did a half spin move or a little back down on a guy that looked to be about half the size of him, gave him two bumps, backed away, and, and Ben hit a turnaround, fadeaway, you know, 15-footer. And I'm seeing this posted on Instagram and, and Twitter, all, all over the place, and you see this every summer, and I, I don't know if people are, are trying to get fired up about it again or if it's kind of like a troll job now, uh, now that he's not talking to anybody with the Sixers. But it's... I, I don't know why these, these videos get posted. I could take a video of, of myself doing my job or, or waking up and brushing my teeth in the morning, but you know nobody <laughs> would think that that's uh, extravagant or extraordinary. So it's just the same. It's a wash, rinse, repeat with this guy from the sounds of it. He's probably gone, but who the hell knows? But I'm sick of watching him shoot jumpers in a wife beater over a guy that's you know 5'10". Remember the story last year about Gronk working out? Remember that story? Remind me. I don't I don't think I remember. So Rob Gronkowski, because all the offseason trainings were, you know, the teams couldn't get together and do OTAs and whatnot, the players had to send in videos of them working out and doing sprints and things like that. So what Gronk did was rather than, you know, send in a video every day, he basically did his workouts, then changed his shirt 
and did them again, then changed his shirt, did them again. So he basically just had a, a an entire camera roll of him doing the workouts in different outfits. That's what this Ben Simmons thing feels like. Like year after year, it's the same video. This guy who's like five foot five putting an elbow in his ass, who probably couldn't start for CB East. You know what I mean? And then the minute the minute Ben turns around, he sprints under the basket to grab the rebound. There's no hand in this guy's face. I mean, it's the same video every offseason. It really is. And difference between between Gronk and, and Ben Simmons is Gronk is is catching tutties and blocking people and and winning winning rings. Ben Simmons is is more interested in posting the pregame drip, pulling up in his his Lambo at Wells Fargo Center, and he's he's just not all there. He's not he's not built for this city, and that's to no fault of the fans that people want to say that we we broke him. We didn't break him. He is. Hang just, on a second here. Hang on just one second. It is the fault of the fans, specifically the Sixers fans. They enable these pea brain stars to fail in the big moment by cheering when they make a free throw. The same thing happened with Markel Fultz, another failed number one pick. I think he signed a, a pretty nice deal with uh, Orlando. But certainly not living up to that number one pick potential. Uh, but I'll, I'll never forget, you know, that guy getting a standing O at the center. The Sixers fans call it the center. For everybody else, it's Wells Fargo Center. But for them, it's the center. And the center gave Markel Fultz a standing O when he made a jump shot years back. And, you know, they do the same thing for Ben. When Ben makes a free throw, it's – and they're up by 20 – in the regular season, and Ben Ben's making free one free throw, it, you know they go nuts, and yeah, that 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 is kind of enabling behavior because when it comes to crunch time, and he's not making them, it's like we were patting this guy on the ass for making one out of however many in the regular season, and then it's it's, it's not good enough when it's crunch time. It's exactly it. I mean, the fan, this, the Sixers fan specifically just enable these guys. And if you notice, they're a very, they're like a novelty driven fan base. You know, could you imagine like an Eagles team, or I should say like at an Eagles game, like the fans going nuts over like a free small frosty. Like, no, like we, we need to get a dub here. And the Sixers fans, it's just, everything's a novelty. They're there to sing the song, clap their hands, stomp their feet and watch Ben go like two of 10 from the line. It's disgusting. I disavow. Two, two of ten, but he, he had eight rebounds and seven assists and, and six points, so he almost had a triple-double. Yo, hang on a second here. NBA front office executives rate him the number one defender. He's the DPOI. <laughs> He's the DPOI, apparently, but he could not figure out how to guard Trey Young in that Hawks series between the pick-and-roll with Clint Capella. I mean, DPOI – I. I did not see DPOI in that series whatsoever. They, the amount of easy buckets that they got with running that, and and Ben was guarding Trey Young. I mean, he even when there wasn't a pick and roll, there were a number of times that Trey Young got by Ben Simmons. So I don't really see the DPOI thing. I don't see. I mean, I understand he's six ten or six eleven. He's athletic as hell, but he can't shoot. And sure, he grabs some boards and 
can make some plays in transition. But when your big two is Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, and the guy guarding Ben Simmons doesn't have to come out past the free throw line, there's no opportunity to facilitate in the half court offense. And it's 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 time for a change. And for all all the turnovers and, and, and late game blips that Embiid has had. He's only one guy, and he's seven foot two. He's three hundred pounds. He's not a ball handler, and it would be nice if Trey Young was our point guard, and you could run the pick and pop with Joel Embiid instead of Clint Capella, who's just an average NBA big man. You have Embiid who could shoot it outside or, or go in and dunk it, and it's just it's not easy for him playing with Baum Simmons. Let me ask you something: if if you could trade Ben Simmons. For circa 2000, 2001, 2002, Eric Snow. Do they win that Hawk series? I, th- I think so. I mean, they wouldn't be doing hack of snow, that's for sure. Eric Snow could knock him down. He could knock, he had a mid range jump was shot. Dogged. Like, Philadelphia fans dogged that guy beyond, you know, outside of the year they were in the finals. You know, they talked about Iverson having to carry the load, et cetera, et cetera. But Snow could hit a mid-range jumper. He could certainly hit a free throw. And I think he actually was a, would have defended better than Simmons against a guy like Trey Young. I mean, Snow was a tough player, and, and they dogged that guy. But then, you know, you get the number one overall pick in Simmons and at the end of the quote-unquote process. And it seems like Sixers fans just want to give this guy a free pass. Certainly hasn't, hasn't been earned, but... I think 2001 Eric Snow would have gotten it done, at least against the Hawks. Maybe not, maybe not have won the finals, but a guy that can that can handle the ball, that could run a pick and roll, can be a threat to shoot a jump shot, can make a free throw. Uh, we definitely could have used that at the point guard position. Be on uh, the court in the last five minutes of the game. Yeah, that too. That I mean, that is that is unbelievable, and haven't even touched on it. But yes, he's an All Star. People say he's a DPOI candidate. Blah blah blah. What? But like you said, he's not. They have to take him off the floor for the last five minutes of every game in the playoffs. Like, what kind of all star is that? Bad. It's real bad. No good. But yeah, apparently he's no longer in touch with anybody on the team, and said he wants to go to Golden State or somewhere in California. Maybe we could we could chip in and and get this guy a plane ticket because he can he can have a one way, and we'll ship him right out happily. I mean, imagine you're working for McDonald's and you're showing up late to every shift and they paid for your college tuition and you just stop talking to your manager and then you tell your manager, no, 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 don't talk to me. Trade me to Apple. I want to I design the next iPhone. That's what this guy's asking for. He wants to go from the Sixers to Golden State and play with those guys who can all shoot. It ain't going to happen. I mean, the, the arrogance that this guy has, it's unbelievable. I'd be curious to know if, what his uh, what his peers think of him around the league? Like, what would Steph Curry and Clay and the rest of uh, Golden State would they even want to want a guy like Simmons? Honestly, they don't need a ball handler. He can't shoot, and he ha- doesn't really have a post game. So, I mean, where where would where would he be serviceable for them? Where would he fit in? Just the only way he it. fits in is if they is if he you move him to like a four and he becomes like a Draymond Green type. You know, like the guy is playing the wrong position. Draymond can shoot a little bit, though. For sure. Bottom but line po- is. Point being is he, he cannot be a point guard. Can't be a point guard. And 
it's hard to be an elite basketball player when you can't do the simple task of shooting the ball in the hoop or being 6'10 and dunking the ball in the hoop because you don't you just want to pass those up too it's unbelievable hopefully he's on his way out and we'll be better for it apparently the Sixers have Dame Lillard's trainer working for them now and that chatter's going. I'd, I'd love to see a Dame Lillard guy. That's a guy that would fit in well with Embiid. Um, can obviously shoot the lights out. Could run a successful pick and roll, which burn the Sixers. Not afraid playoffs. to be on the court in the final minutes and take the shot. Yeah, yeah. I know Dame's got some uh, some epic buzzer beaters, so would love to see that at the center for sure. The center. The center, man. You know, the only thing I haven't heard yet for Simmons in his shooting woes, has he worked with Herb McGee? Couldn't tell you. Have you heard anything on that front? Because back when Evan Turner was here and he was shooting the ball like a bum, they sent him over to Philly U and, and and he shot with Herb McGee. Have we tried that yet? I feel like that's the final thing we should try in this town before we ship him out. Send him to the shot doctor. Is Herb still cooking at Philly U? I don't even know if he's alive, but I mean, even if he isn't, dig up his damn corpse. I'm sure he's got plenty to teach Simmons. Like, to think that the Sixers dialed up a D2 college coach and said, fix this guy. Like, <laughs> that sums up the franchise. Do you want to talk any golf? I mean, what, 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 what should we talk? I mean, I, it, it never hurts to bring up me taking taking your cash at the loo you can talk about it i mean i don't really think there's much to say other than cash was taken we both played like shit i played a little better but not by much and that was about it and the fact of the matter is that you were playing against a guy trying to commit to massive swing changes a guy who went to golf tech and was suckered into a 2700 dollar lesson plan i'll be taking lessons through january with Coach Tyler, and, uh, you know, you got me. All right. I'm over here trying to work on a swing change, and you could take my cash today, but I'm invested for the long haul, long haul, G. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably in trouble, honestly. I feel like <laughs> those lessons are going to they're gonna st- straighten you out, and I thought you hit it a lot better, honestly, in terms of, like, contact and whatnot. It was a little bit different ball flights and directions, but I think – for for one lesson and and for being committed, I think you're you're in a good spot. No, I appreciate that. We'll, we'll see what uh we'll see what happens next spring. That's really the goal. Can we can we get from like a twenty ish to a ten? Let's cut it in half. Yeah, well, we're gonna keep some tabs on that. We're willing to take some action too to help to help pay for the lessons. Wow. So. Wow, we're gonna have to come up with a little something then, like a, <laughs> like a handicap wager. Can you get your oh, yeah. handicap to something by this date? All right. We'll have to dial we'll dial that up. I'm I'm willing to take a little action there. <laughs> or when will will your handicap surpass my 16 handicap? <laughs> to be I think to, I I think it'll be by the end of the calendar year. Calendar year. Wow. Wow, we'll see about that. To be continued. What else you got for me, Bob? You looking looking forward to anything this week? 
first Eagles preseason games Thursday, I think, against Pittsburgh. I don't know if it's home or away. I mean, who are we going to see? Are you even going to turn it on? Yeah, it's home. Where are you going? I have tickets. I'm not going to go. And only, only the Eagles could have two preseason games in a season where there's only three. You know, Jeff Lurie's got to get his got to get his money out of, out of my wallet. So I'm not going to either. I refuse to go. I'm not going until the you know the live bullets, so to speak. But I'll turn it on and see see how the first team offense looks and see how this new vaunted defense looks as per the beat reporters. Right, right. We'll see. I'll probably flick it on. I want to see Hertz Hertz throwing. It's a shame we won't see Smith yet, but I think he's coming along sooner than they originally expected. So just Gotta put get... him in bubble wrap until week one. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, he's he's pretty polished, so I don't think he he'd have too much trouble being thrown into the fire week one. But could be like uh, 2004 when we got T.O. and on the first play of preseason, McNabb threw him like an 80 yard bomb, and the place just went nuts. But preseason, regular season, probably save that for regular season with uh, Devonta Smith. Save it for week one. I think it's against the Falcons, too, which is always a tough one. At Atlanta, week one. The countdown's on. I think it's September 12th. We're getting there. I'm fired up. Anything about the Knits? Uh, I believe the Knits open camp. The Penn State Nittany Pussycats, I mean the Nittany Lions, open camp. This past week, I believe one of the projected starting defensive ends is out for the season. I don't know why. I think it was a non-football or a non-training or practice uh, incident, but I think it was was some sort of injury. It sounds kind of funky. I uh, don't have the full scoop, but yeah, the Knits, the Knits are coming back. Can't say I have high hopes, although people are saying don't sleep on them, so we'll see. Uh, I just... Don't have a ton of confidence in the coach. Don't have a ton of confidence in the quarterback, but would would be ecstatic to be proved wrong. Well, they're actually playing somebody out of out of conference that has a uh, pedigree this year, right? With Auburn. Yeah, they got Auburn. I think the fourth game of the year in Happy Valley, so that that should be cool. They got Wisconsin week one, which is kind of nice. I'm looking forward to that. Usually. The first two, three games are cupcakes, um, but they go to Camp Randall week one, Big Fox, noon kickoff. So that'll be exciting. And, and honestly, you know, if they get if they get shelled or they take the L, makes my decisions on, on whether I'm watching State or playing golf on Saturdays a lot easier. So, but yeah, it's, it's coming up. Guess I'm excited. Just like being a Philly fan, being a Penn State fan, you usually get let down. So I'm not uh I'm not chomping at the bit or biting my nails, but I'll be watching when the time comes. Now I'm pumped for college football too. Obviously, the big news this week, or at least today, was uh, Bobby Bowden passing away, age 91. Obviously, sad news for his family, but but crazy to think about kind of the runs his team went on and all the all the wins and all the bowl wins he had and. You know, some of the quotes that he had over the years about his players that were in trouble. And I think one of the quotes that I read today that really had a big laugh on was uh, his quote around, uh, you know, if guys that, you know, and I'm going to butcher this, but if guys that had crew cuts won national championships, Army and Navy would be playing for it every year. <laughs> so just a guy, you know, from all, from all accounts, uh, uh, obviously a great coach, but everything you hear about the guy was a, you know, good dude and 
you know, sorry to hear about that. Obviously, a college football legend. Definitely, definitely up there in, in the uh, the upper echelon of all-time college football coaches for sure. I think that just about does it for me. Bob? Excited for the week. We'll get to see the Dodgers in town, the Reds, see how the Phils hold up, and then obviously first glimpse it at the Birds preseason game number one. So we are almost out of this whole time of the year with meaningful baseball and football coming back. So have a great week. We will talk to you next week. Bye.